You're listening to CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network, your home for solid Bible teaching and the latest praise and worship music. In just a moment, we'll go live to the River Christian Fellowship, the home of CSN, for a verse-by-verse study with Pastor Mike Kessler. But first, I'd like to invite you to join us in person at the River. We're located in Twin Falls, Idaho, and have our Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Visit theriverchristianfellowship.com and click on the map for directions and to schedule a visit. Now, we go live to the River Christian Fellowship for today's service. Sing like day. It's a new day dawning It's time to sing your song again Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me Let me be singing when the evening
like to stand for this last one, you're very, very welcome to. We're going to sing How Great Our God Is. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God.
You are great and wonderful in every way, Lord, and it's an honor to worship you. And as we turn to your word, we ask that your spirit would continue with us, Lord, and show us what you have in your word. Speak to us today through your word. Let it be filled with knowledge and wisdom for what we hear. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Acts, chapter 13, Acts 13. And we're going to be looking more at how God used people like you and me to do his work. And I really like this because, you know, when we're born, I believe God has a specific purpose for you and me if we'll spend time as a Christian seeking what that is. You know, we're not just born to exist, we're born for a purpose. And you know, I think so much of what the philosophy of today, the lies of the devil are permeated through our society attacking almost every aspect of God's creation. Whether it be that everything we see is a cosmic accident when lightning hit a swamp and a bunch of squiggly things started moving around, or whether it's a man or a woman, and now we have the transgender whole problem that is plaguing our society right now. Everything that God designed, friends, is under attack. Whether it be, again, creation, you as an individual, our society, our fellowship, everything. Remember, you have a real genuine enemy. But the Bible says, greater is he that's in you, speaking of Jesus Christ, than he that's in the world. And because of that, we have great things to rejoice in each and every day. And I don't care how dark one day may be, I guarantee you, stay faithful to God. He will see you through. And there's a new day every day. King David said his promises are new every morning. Why would he have to say that? Or why would he even have to think that? Because, you know, some days just aren't good days. I don't know if you've had bad days lately, but I can guarantee you, stay faithful to God. God will see you through. As we were looking at chapter 12 the week before, we remembered that that James was executed by Herod, and it pleased the Jews so much he thought he would get Peter and please the crowd even more and kill him as well. Well, he had heard about how God set him free from prison before, so that time he went and got four groups of soldiers to watch him, put him in chains, and the day before he was scheduled to be brought out for his execution. The Bible tells us, an angel came, tapped him, woke him up. I thought that was interesting. He was sleeping. He had peace, even in the midst of what was going to happen the next day. He was sleeping. Angel taps him, wakes him up. Chains fall off. All the guards are asleep. He walks out of the jail and goes to where there was a group of people that were praying for him to get out of jail. And when he shows up, they didn't believe he got out of jail. 
So much for, you got to have that faith. Hey, all you got to do is ask God to do it. He'll do the rest. Well, we remember that um, caused quite a stir at the jail. All these different things go on. God's got a purpose for you as well. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now in a special way, cause it to come alive in our hearts, just as it was when these things happened. And so, Lord, we ask you now, in Jesus' name, to cause each one of us to realize how much you love us. God, and we thank you for your great promises in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 13 starts off, and it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch. Now remember Antioch? This is where they were first called Christians. And it wasn't really a flatterous term. It was really a kind of a Jesus freak term, if you will. They said, oh, look at the little Jesuses over there. That's what the word Christian means. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean Christ-like. It means little Jesuses. Because again, how they responded, interreacted, and loved one another. Now at the church at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, so probably the word Niger in the uh, Greek is the word black, and so he probably was was African. Again, God has no um, prejudice whatsoever. We know that God loves every one of us the same. Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, it's interesting about this guy named Manaen. Manaen was a guy that knew Herod, grew up with him. But two persons knowing one another with completely different destinies. It says that he knew Herod. Herod was the same one, if you remember, that stood in trial of Jesus when he was to be executed. And yet we find a friend of his, somebody that he grew up with, completely opposite, who was encouraging the church. It doesn't matter how you were raised, it's where you're at right now with God is what's important. And just because you may have had some bad friends or bad acquaintances doesn't mean you have to be that way. Manaen was a person who was like that. And it says that they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now, some of your Bibles may say worship the Lord, but when we minister to the Lord, that means as you would minister to your wife or to your children, that means you bless them, you take care of them, you do what they need. Now it says they were ministering to the Lord. In other words, they were saying, God, what do you want us to do for you? Now, a lot of times, everyone, our prayers are what we want God to do for us. Isn't that true? Because he's big and strong and he's daddy and we're a bunch of gimbots here blowing it. And God still comes through and and fixes our problems. I remember, again, I think this is another one of the things that the devil is out to attack. I share on this a lot, but the attack on the fathers of the world. Because Jesus wants us to relate to God as our Father in heaven, not some unknowable God beyond the stars, but he wants us to relate to him as a father. 
And the attack on fathers is everywhere. We, we see it in every single aspect that the devil will especially go after fathers to destroy the father image in the home because that's the image that we then relate with God in heaven. And so whether it comes through television or whether it comes through the songs on the radio or whatever, dads know that there's an attack on you and you need to stand strong and be a good example and reflect the love of God in your family's life. Now it says, they minister to the Lord. You minister to the Lord, dads, as your, to your family. They were ministering to their, to, to God. God, what do you want us now to do for you? Do you realize that that is the directive why God put you and me here on this earth? We have a job to do for God. Now, listen, there's a lot of things we can all do, burn a lot of time, waste a lot of time, but unless we're doing what God wants us to do, we're going to find the experience cheap and meaningless. Why? Because you are designed for a really great purpose, and we're down here scrubbling in the dirt trying to find meaning. When we give that up, we then will achieve what God wants us to achieve. Now, if you'll notice this, they ministered or they were asking God, what do you want us to do for you? They ministered and they fasted. So something was stirring their heart. And you know, sometimes there's an uneasiness in our hearts concerning certain things because God wants to talk to you. It's like uh, your phone ringing. And you know that somebody's on the other line wanting to talk to you and prayerfully not a telemarketer wanting to sell you something. But actually we, we realize that the phone is ringing for a reason. And I believe that uneasiness sometimes God puts in us as his children. I'm not talking about worldly people, but sometimes it could affect them as well. Because you know your life is on the wrong path. You know you need to get your life right. You look around you and see, seeing what happens to people who don't love God. Listen, God has got a phone ringing for you. But as Christians, God still has that call on our life. Now notice it says, the Holy Spirit said. In other words, the Holy Spirit answered when they called on him, ministered to him, God responds. Remember, prayer is never one way only. It isn't just telling God what I need, but that God will respond back. Now notice it says, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. God has a work for Paul and Barnabas. God has a work for you. And if we're not sensitive, we'll miss that. Now notice it says, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. That means that they were doing something else in order to be separated from it. We all have our thing we do. Years ago, in the back of the hippie movement, say, well, maybe, maybe what's your thing? Everybody wanted, wanted to know what your thing was. Well, in other words, what, what grabs you? What turns you on? What's your, what, what, you know, what you, what you about? That's what it's talking about. Well, notice it says, 
separate to me. Now when? It says now. Isn't that weird? That God actually has a timetable in this. He says, now separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I prepared for them. God has prepared a work for you. I am amazed sometimes how God will get our attention. Now, now notice something important here. It says, separate to me, Paul, uh, Barnabas and Saul. Uh, it, uh, what, what this tells me is that they came to Paul and Barnabas and said, God wants you to go do something for him. Now, friends, I, I, I look at this interesting because this tells me the importance of of having a body of believers around you, not just being a lone ranger, lone stranger, lone Christian out there in the big bad world, but that actually Christians around you will give you insight, inspiration, and sometimes even direction. Not coming up to a person saying, and by the way, buddy, God told me to tell you, like you're so out of touch with reality. But in fact, what God was saying is, hey, we feel God is moving us to tell you, hey, you need to go into the mission field. And by the way, as we read here, we're going to see that's exactly what God did. He motivated them to go in to the mission field. And it says, which I have called them. Again, God's calling for every single person is real. Now, this is why I believe we need to say, God, what do you want me to do? Now, you may be doing something and God says, hey, I'm going to want you to turn around and go completely the other way. I want you to do something completely opposite from what you would normally do. But see, this is where the power of God is. This is where the miracles are. This is where the supernatural hand of God is. Again, I've shared this many times. Why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible? He doesn't do miracles today. Well, because most people are doing their own thing and don't need a miracle from God. But the more you live in Christ, the more you realize, hey God, without you, I can't do a thing. And even if I get something done, if it isn't what you want, it's going to fry spit and sizzle anyway, maybe I ought to be about what you want me to do. Because what God wants you to do, and when you're obedient to it, carries an eternal reward. That's what you need. You need to lay for yourself treasure in heaven. You know, I think it's interesting, in this world, we see in the papers and in the news, those that are wealthy, the benzos and the and the different people that are out there that have been a success in life. But I believe when we get to heaven, it's going to be a whole different value system. That those who worshiped the Lord, those who waited upon the Lord, those who did his work, that's where the real treasure is. And you're going to see what a lot of times people thought these people that were so rich on this earth are bankrupt in eternity. You don't have to be that way. People say, golly, I just wish I would have had a chance to be born in a wealthy family or, or be able to do something and, and, and inherit my mom and dad's business or something like that. Well, you have. You've inherited your father in heaven's business, which is people. God loves people. Why? I don't know. 
driven down blue lakes lately? What I'm saying is that God loves humans. That's what's so unusual. He created us and he loves us and he wants to relate with us as his children. But when we're wayward, we're going the wrong way. We're not fulfilling what your best design was for. We're spending our raw, our lives wandering out in a field in rebellion to God rather than saying, God, what will thou have me to do? And again, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray that, you're surrendering your will to God, saying, okay, God, no longer I live, but you live your life through me. That will carry that great reward in heaven. And when you get to heaven, you're going to be amazed. You're going to say, wow, this is what I laid up in heaven? The Bible talks about crowns. Do you know, you know, it's weird. How many people know there's crowns in heaven for rewards for the saints? Okay, most of you do. Do you know what's really unusual about a crown? Everybody sees it. Now, I think that's noteworthy. That there's crowns of righteousness. There's crowns for martyrdom. There's crowns for rewards that God gives us. And everybody in heaven's going to know who was a, who was a server and who wasn't. I believe part of a pastor's job is to make sure that you get as many crowns as possible. What God will bless, what God will reject, and to be about your father's business. So important. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul from whatever it is they're doing. We're going to change the direction here. And so it says, then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. You see, God calls us to his work. And the church sent them away. By the way, this is the first time in the Bible where actually the church sent out missionaries. Now, there was different times. There were sporadic where the persecution came and they just dispersed. But this is the first record that we have in the Bible where the church actually sent out missionaries. And and by the way, it comes from the Latin, the word missionary comes from the missa in, in Latin, which means to be sent. And so they were the sent ones, if you will. So verse four, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now they went down to Cilicia. Notice it doesn't say, and so they got in the back room and tried to figure out where the best place to go was. They didn't. They just thought, Lord, we're just going to start out. Do you know what I find a lot of times in our Christian experience? I I don't know where God's going to send you and me. But all we do is have a willing heart, and he makes the arrangements. We just show up. And I am convinced that your showing up is much more directed at the hand of God than you may ever dream. Have you ever had those close encounters of the real kind? Years ago, there was a movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I don't know how many people remember that. And the Martians or whatever they were were coming down and snatching people away. I remember watching that going, well, if that isn't priming people for the rapture, I don't know what is. 
Because one of these days the Lord's going to take us all home, call the rapture, I can't wait. But until he does that, we remember that God has this place for you and me to be about and what he wants us to do. Your life is not by accident, friends. Your life is divinely, if you're a Christian, divinely called. And you'll notice in your life, there'll be people that you'll run into and you go, well, that was kind of weird that I just ran into somebody. And you'll even oftentimes remark to your family, friends, wife, husband, you'll never believe who I ran into today. Was that by accident? No. I believe those are divine appointments by God. And I believe you as a Christian are much more led by the Spirit than even you know. And as we live our lives each day in Him, when we give the day to God, Lord, today's your day, open and close the doors according to your will. And even when the bad things happen, as I've shared before, you have a blowout on the way to work or whatever, God wants you to talk to the tow truck driver, whoever it might be, God arranges these things in our life. And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, here's your guidance system. I'm so glad it doesn't. So being sent out by their GPS on their cell phone. No, it doesn't say that. They went down to Cilicia and from there to Cyprus. And they arrived at Salamis and they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they also had John as their assistant. Now, a couple of questions here. Why did they go to Salamis? Don't know. But but we do know that Barnabas was from there. So maybe that's where he went. Maybe sometimes the will of God, the directive of God, sometimes may be pretty obvious. It's the door open to you. Now, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. In Revelation, concerning a church that had left Jesus on the outside. I think it's so good that Jesus doesn't say, behold, I stand at the door and kick it off its hinges. I like that about God. God is the perfect gentleman. He doesn't force his way. He waits for us. He's the initiator. We're the responder. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, that means my opportunity to open the door. God initiates. We respond. Again, what is obvious in your life? What is the need in front of you? What do you see right now? Do you realize what God reveals to you he may not be revealing to anybody else on this planet? Well, gee, you know, the guy next door, you know, whatever the case may be, or or this particular thing is going on in his life. I wonder if I should give him a call. Do you know you're probably the only person in the whole world that got that unction from God to call him? See, being led of the Spirit is not some eeny beeny, chilly beeny, the spirits are about to speak. You gotta know your old Bullwinkle commercial cartoons on that one. No, it's just what is obvious in front of us. When you see something out of the ordinary, something doesn't fit, look for God. Again, the woman at the well. Woman, give me a drink of water, Jesus said to her. And she said, how is it that you, being a a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water? We don't talk, is what she said. 
even she recognized something out of the ordinary. But that's where God uses us. When you see something out of the ordinary, there's a prearranged divine appointment that nobody in the whole world could ever set up. You'll never guess who I ran into the store the other day. You know, they live back in Kansas. I went to school with them. Hey, listen, when you see something like that, divine appointment, look for the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, well, what you been doing? Just say, well, you know, I used to be wasting my life. Remember how we was when we were back in school? We just partied. Well, you know what? I got rid of that. I I have a real purpose in my life. And they're going to go, you sell Amway? No, I, I, they're going to say, they're, they're going to say, oh, what is that purpose? And then you say, you know, I found out Jesus is the only thing that's going to last. Do you know people right now, if you, and I'm not kidding, you go ask anybody. People are so unsure about the future right now, whether it be our economy whether it be all the things that are going on in our nation, which is absolutely insane. When you look at all these things, people are worried. They don't know what's going to happen. Now you do. You're a Christian. If you've been here any length of time, you know that God loves us. You're his bride. You're not appointed to his wrath. Oh, there's always been earthquakes and problems and things kind of outlined like we find in Revelation. Yeah, but there's a real difference between the book of Revelation and the tribulation period and what we've seen for the last couple thousand years on this earth. The Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And I believe oftentimes in your insurance policy where it says, and any other acts of God, well, it's really God of this world. Not God, God. Now, something you have to remember as you look at this. Because of that, God divinely directs your footsteps. They don't know what's going on. And so, how will they know unless someone tells them? That's us. We say, hey, as a matter of fact, buddy, Jesus loves you. And you know, there's things that I call it mile markers on the road of life. Have you ever seen that when you're going down the road and they got mile number 175 and 174 and kind of gives you a rough idea which way you're going? And you look at that, but there are, are those mile markers on the road of our life that tell us where we're at. Are we going the right direction? Are the numbers going up or are they going backwards? And sometimes things happen in our life that look to be such a tragedy, but in fact, God will use that tragedy to minister to people. How short this life really is. I don't know how, you know, I've shared this before, but man, when you were five years old, do you remember how long five minutes was? Your mother would say, go stand in the corner for five minutes. That long Remember when you were like in uh, first, fifth grade, whatever? Summer was an eternity. Summer vacation from school was like forever. School's out forever. Okay, you know? That, that, that's what we kind of thought. It, it, it just was forever. But the longer you live, 
See, if you only live for five years, five minutes is a long time of the percentage of your life. But when you start getting over 50 or 60, five minutes is a second. I was just the other day paying my property tax going, I just paid this. That was a year ago. It seems like yesterday. Five minutes now is nothing. You look at how quickly time goes as you get older. Let me tell you something. Everything in this world is perishing. The only thing that makes it out of this world is people. And everybody in this room will help determine where those people go. You start looking at how and why God singled out Paul and Barnabas for a specific purpose. God has singled out you for his purpose. Again, have you spent five minutes this week saying, God, what is it? Because you see, the thing is, we can miss that. We can become preoccupied. God separated them from what they were doing. And what is obvious sometimes is what God separates us for and where we're at right now. People sometimes say, well, I'll do something for God when I get married, or I'll do something for God when I get divorced, or I'll do something for God when when I get retired, or I'll do something for God in the hospital right before they pull the plug. The truth of the matter is, God has you here now. And, And to be sensitive to his spirit what he wants us to do. And you know, it's always exciting. God never has, oh, some boring thing for you to do. It's always good. A lot of times people think, you know, people, well, if I pray, God's going to send me to the deepest, darkest Africa. Let me tell you, if he does, it's going to be fun. I don't know what adventure awaits, but you know what? We as Christians should anticipate Every day as a new day in which God's going to demonstrate his power in our life. Notice again, and being sent out by the Holy Spirit. That's who sends you out. And so notice it says here, they had John Mark with them. And John is actually speaking of John Mark, the one who wrote the book of Mark the one who was an eyewitness to many of the miracles that Jesus did. In fact, in the book of Mark, there's an interesting little story there. When Jesus was on the uh, Mount of Olives, when he was praying right before he was arrested, and Mark's account says there was a a lad who uh, the soldiers had grabbed, and he wiggled out of his coat and ran away. It's the only place you find that in the four Gospels is in Mark's Gospel. Why does it say that? Most people believe that was Mark. He knew what happened to him. They grabbed him too, and he wiggled out of the coat, and probably being a kid, they didn't care, and he runs off. But Mark was there watching everything. So you look at this. They had him there with them. Now, when they'd come to the island of Patmos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Literally, it means son of Jesus. And it says they came to Paphros, Las Vegas. It was known for debauchery, sin, 
sexual immorality, the worship of Venus. It was a real hot spot for sin. And it says that he was part of the proconsul, Seligus Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But when Bar-Jesus, surnamed Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from faith, then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You need to accept Jesus. He has a wonderful plan for your life. No, that's not what he said. Notice this. Now, this is interesting to me, friends, because this is a gear changer. Notice this. He looks at this guy and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone who would lead him by the hand. Boy, now that's an evangelistic message, isn't it? I can just see everybody going, whoa. And then the guy who was evidently some influential guy in the pro-council. And the pro-council was basically like, like the governorship of that providence. So it was a high-ranking position that they were all in. And the thing is, he just came out and said, look, you've been... And it's interesting, he would not call him Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. He called him Elimaeus. I, I think he just wouldn't even mention Jesus at all in that. Well, here you have an illustrated sermon. Then they, the proconsul believed. I imagine so. They probably almost fell out of their chairs. When he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Papros, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, John Mark, and went and returned back to Jerusalem. I look at this as, it's interesting here. Great miracle of God. Okay, what's next? Friends, I want to just encourage you. You need new life in your life as a Christian from God today and this year. Everybody is still making their New Year's resolutions. I want to encourage you to make a New Year's resolution. God, whatever you would have me to do for you, that's what I want to do. You guide me, direct me, open the doors, and please close the doors where you don't want me to go. You will be amazed where you will be a year from now. You see, it's the best thing you can do. We can come up with our own plan, schemes, and ideas, where we're going to do, what we're going to be. God says, I got something a whole lot better for you. The Bible says, his ways are not our ways. But the problem is, I want a God that makes my ways his ways. Listen, friends, that is not Christianity. That is self-seeking and not what God would have you to do. Now, listen, when we do what God wants us to do, that's where real fulfillment comes from. 
Again, going back, these place in our lives, I can't get no satisfaction if I tried. It's true. Because it's not in the world. And you'll never find satisfaction in the world serving yourself because the self-serving is feeding the pride that's killing us. Being about your father's business, that's where you're going to be blessed. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want you to consider a couple of things. What are you living your life for? What's your thing? What causes you to get out of bed in the morning and put your shoes on? What lights your fire? What's that passion that you have? Some people might say, I don't have any. I just want to die. You need Jesus. Some people say, yeah, I'm doing these things, but man, I, I don't know how it's all going to come out. In fact, you might gain the whole world and you'll lose your own soul. So the Bible says being about your father's business not only gives you directive today, but gives you a reward in heaven. To trade away something you can't keep, your life, for something you can never lose, his life in you. Wow, what a deal. How do you turn that away? I mean, that's like the best deal ever. Letting God be God in your life. If you're not a Christian here this morning, we're going to pray in a few minutes. You need to be separated from what you're doing so you can do what God wants you to do. That's called repentance. In this particular case, we're reading about Paul. Paul was doing some other things. As a Christian, sometimes we need to be separated from what we're doing so God can then come and expand our horizons. Many people that are Christians, your God is too small. But by having a small God, I can control my God. God says, you can't control me. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. When we stop to think about it a minute, God's purpose for you is much greater than you know. And you won't know that until you seek him. Get out of the stuff you're in and say, okay, God, from now on, I'm going to be about your business. You'll be amazed what God will do. Things out of the ordinary now all of a sudden become very much aware in your life. And you respond to that and you find what God would have you do. Remember, your life is not an accident. The Bible says a righteous man's footsteps are ordained by the Lord. Not happenstance, not pure luck, but divinely appointed. That's who you are. Never forget that. Don't let the devil rip you off. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Again, going back, there's always been problems in the world. We see them coming in Revelation. With those, But you know the difference between Revelation and the rest of the things that's happened in the last couple of thousand years? Everything in Revelation, those seven years, are orchestrated by God, not by the devil. Listen, God's got a place for you. It's called the rapture of the church. He's going to take us home one of these days. When Gabriel blows that trumpet, we're out of here, and I can't wait. So do what you can do for God now. The Bible says to repent. Jesus died on the cross for you, shed his blood. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin or remission of sins. So God's perfect blood was shed for you so that you can live forever with him. 
and have meaning in this life and a reward in heaven. I want to see in heaven all you here with a little crown on your head. Maybe a lot of them. But I won't see anybody up there that I knew with no crowns. Say, man, what were you doing? Be about your father's business. Every day when you get up, say, Lord, today's your day. Minister to the Lord. Say, Lord, what would you have me to do for you? My hands are your hands. My feet are your feet. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And you, you become very much aware of who you are and where you are. Self-awareness. Well, it's God-awareness in you. And all of a sudden, when I realize these are his hands, these are these feet, they're a little song we used to sing in Sunday school years ago. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Yeah, that's right. Because you can go places that you shouldn't be. And those places where we go we shouldn't be, there's danger and there's death there. And that's what God doesn't want for you, for anybody, because he loves you. This morning, if you're not right with God, we're going to pray right now. Repent of your sin. Separate yourself from your past. Now, you can't do that, but God can. He just needs your willing heart, and he'll do the rest. Now, for you as Christians, there's things that are blocking you from being what God wants you to do. I just want to encourage you, you need God to come and and redeem you from those sins. And you can say, honestly, Mike, I'm a Christian, I'm in sin, and I like it. I've talked to people that way. I've been that way. And do you know what you do then? If you don't have a willing heart to get out of your sin, then ask God to give you a willing heart to get out of your sin. Because when we're on the wrong side of the tracks, we're not going to fulfill what God wants us to do. I want to be sent out by the Holy Spirit. You need to be sent out this morning from this place by the Holy Spirit. That's what you need. Because that is where you're going to find that wonderful blessing of God. This morning, if you're not a Christian, or you're a Christian and you're distant from God, we're going to pray right now. You can ask the Lord to come in your life. And we're going to do that. So if you need to get right with God, let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now separate me from my past. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life every day. And so write my name now in your book of life. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I want to be about your business. I want to do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer. You've been listening to a live teaching from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you can catch the free podcast by searching the iTunes store for the River Christian Fellowship or give us a call at 800-357-4226. There's also a video of today's teaching available on our website, theriverchristianfellowship.com, and then click the media button.
and tune in next week for more from the River Christian Fellowship live on CSN. This is KAWZ Twin Falls, the Christian Satellite Network.